Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast, a trade deadline Peter King Podcast with my friend Miles Simmons from NBC Sports. We're going to break down exactly what happened as we record this late on Halloween night. You know, I don't know about you, Miles, but I'm not really into Halloween. I think Halloween has become a ridiculous adult holiday when it should be a fun little innocent kids holiday. But we'll save that rant for another day where I don't sound like Clint Eastwood in <laughs> Gran Torino and say, get out of my driveway, you adults. I only want the kids. Anyway, okay, we've moved on from that. We're going to be joined later in the podcast by Cameron Bynum, the excellent young safety of the Minnesota Vikings, who's got a few other things on his mind, like getting his wife to join him in Minnesota from the Philippines. And they have not been able to be a family ever since they've been married uh, in March. And so we're going to get to that later in the pod. But Miles, I just have two very quick observations and I want to get your leading observation on this, um, on the trade deadline. Number one, not really as crazy as I thought it would be. I thought we might see two or three more trades a little bit bigger than they have been. I expected Howie Roseman of the Eagles to do a little bit more, uh, which he didn't do. But I think one of the things that happened this year is that there were a lot of teams that said, no, we're not going to do it. Normally, Les Snead, uh, the Rams, Kevin Demoff would say, Hey, we are open for business. They're closed for business because they want to start using the draft to build their team. And then the one other observation I had, which is an odd, odd thing to me that happened, is that the San Francisco 49ers, after spending a jillion dollars to go get Javon Hargrave and thinking they had the best defensive front in football, felt the need to go spend a third round draft choice to go get Chase Young. And I said, man, what is wrong with this picture? Anyway, give me your sort of overarching thoughts about the deadline. Then we're going to run down a few of these deals and dissect them. Yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised when I saw that it was San Francisco that came out on top in the Chase Young sweepstakes and, and kind of for the same reason, but also then it's like, well, 
I guess I understand it because that's what they do. They they double down on what their strengths are. Last year, when they go and they get Christian McCaffrey, nobody thought that they needed Christian McCaffrey. They didn't. They had an excellent run game. We know they have an excellent run scheme, but what did they do? They went out and got a guy that they considered to be one of the best running backs in football, and lo and behold, he scored a touchdown in, I think, 17 straight games now, right? So it's not like they don't do that. They haven't shown that they will do that in the past and so I guess when you go and you get Chase Young and you add him to a front that already has Nick Bosa who's not been quite Nick Bosa like you know yeah. coming off of the holdout um, maybe that has to do with not being in training camp maybe it doesn't I don't know but you you know you get that guy reunited with somebody he played his college ball with and Chase Young and you know running back the 2017-2018 Ohio State Buckeyes and maybe that's going to be the thing that kind of jolts the 49ers into the second half of their season as they come off the bye. Yeah, you know, I guess that you're right. And part of my part of my reasoning on the 49ers is look, they rented Chase Young yes for 9 weeks or whatever it is, nine, I think 9 games. Okay? So they rented him and then it you know, in a year and a half, they'll get either a third or fourth round compensatory pick. So good for them. They're playing the system the right way. But I just keep wondering, how in the world did they not have enough already? Mm. You know, I mean, I just, I am mind boggled why they didn't have enough already. But, but anyway, anyway, let's, let me, as Warner, as Warner Wolf used to say uh, about things like this, let's go to the videotape and let it let us spend a moment just basically going over every trade that happened. Um, you know, including a couple of trades that happened a few days ago or or within the last week. Okay. Um, we basically had 10 trades in the last week. We're going to start with McCole Hardman going from the New York Jets to Kansas City uh, for a cup of coffee. Kentavious Street, defensive tackle, uh, goes from Philadelphia to Atlanta. You know, he basically was just a bit part, a spare part uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Donovan Peoples-Jones, an interesting trade. The wide receiver of Cleveland goes to Detroit for a sixth-round draft choice. I kind of like this trade for the Lions because I think the Lions needed depth at the receiver Mm -hmm. position, particularly with Amon Ross St. Brown banged up, even though every game he's got eight catches for 120 He seems to be in a lot of pain most weeks. So anyway, they helped that. A trade that I thought was really, really interesting. The most interesting trade of the day. Rasul Douglas, who I think is a C-plus cornerback. He's not great. He is a usable NFL cornerback. And he got traded along with a fifth-round pick from Green Bay to Buffalo. Now, Buffalo paid a three. That's a lot. But if Buffalo is Buffalo, basically what they're doing is trading the 90th pick in the draft 
for a guy who's going to be a top three corner in the last 10 weeks of the year. I'm okay with that. He is a big need piece mm-hmm. for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Dobbs, this is by far the oddest, most interesting, weirdest trade. Josh Dobbs, and, and you know, I tried to figure out today, Miles, it's only been two months since Cleveland traded Josh Dobbs to Arizona. Nobody paid any attention. But then Josh Dobbs becomes the starting quarterback of the Cardinals. And we can say, oh, he's just been a guy. But but he was the starting quarterback of an NFL team for two months. And now they bench him. I think it was a classic scapegoat thing in Arizona. They bench him. I love Josh Dobbs. And they bench him, and Minnesota now gets him. And the Vikings, Miles, they're four and four. They're not horrible. They've got a little bit of a chance. So now Josh Dobbs, probably not this week, but soon he's going to be the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And how weird is it that a guy gets traded twice and a team that he has been with all through the offseason is now going to get traded twice and is going to play like eight or more games for two different teams in the same year. That's never happened in NFL history. Okay. And we get, we all know that the Titans traded Kevin Byard, the safety to Philadelphia. That happened last week. Really interesting trade, kind of a fascinating trade, but Philadelphia buttressed the secondary by take by getting him. Leonard Williams, the defensive lineman, goes from the Giants to Seattle. What really interested me about this trade is that the New York Giants, even though I like Leonard Williams, he's a good player, the Giants can't sign all these guys. They're not good enough to sign all these guys for 18, 20, 22 million bucks. They need draft capital to take lesser guys and to start building with them. And then finally, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Montez Sweat goes to Chicago from Minnesota or from uh, Washington for a two. And Chase Young goes from Washington to San Francisco for a three. So, Miles, we've run everything down before we take a break. I'm really, really curious. As you look at these trades, I want you to tell me one trade that when you saw it, maybe your socks didn't get knocked off, but you said, now that is a really, really interesting move by that team. What's one trade that you really were interested to see? Well, I would say it's Montez Sweat going from Washington to Chicago because if you're Chicago and they made a move similar to this last year where they addressed a need with a player that, you know, was on the outs or whatever you want to call it with their current team, right? So you get Chase Claypool going to the Bears for two. And that obviously did not work out because then Chase Claypool was traded to Miami for a bucket of the equivalent of a bucket of balls, right? Yeah. But yeah. Now you're in year two of the Ryan Poole, Poole's, uh, Ryan Poole, excuse me, Matt Eberflus era, 
and nothing is going very well right yeah. now. They yeah. just got blasted out here in Los Angeles. And I know that, you know, the secret Bajant man was the quarterback there and it's not Justin Fields, but still like there's a lot that's not going Bajan right. Man, did you just say that? <laughs> I did. I didn't make that up. I got that off television, but I think that that's from, from our fellow NBC colleagues. So I, you know, that's not an original thought by me. Most of my thoughts are not that original, but I, you know, th- things are not really going well for Chicago. And what I don't really get is why you'd use it too for somebody who's going to become a free agent and you don't sign them to a contract extension walking into the door. Like that to me is something that either they need to figure that out quickly or it doesn't necessarily make much sense because I mean, I go back to my own experiences, right? So I was covering the Rams on their, on their team when I, when they traded a two for Sammy Watkins in the middle of training camp in 2017. And that worked well because Sammy Watkins led that team in touchdowns and the Rams needed to get something established offensively with Sean McVay and all this. But again, you're in year one, that team ends up in the postseason, and yeah, they didn't re-sign Sammy Watkins, but he left, they get a comp pick for him, et cetera. I don't really get what the bears are doing here because yeah, you may need a, an edge rusher, but if you don't resign this guy and you also don't make the playoffs, which I mean, I, Peter, I don't know how they're going to make the playoffs in their yeah. current condition. Like, why are we doing this? I, I just, I don't know. I, I, the bears are a team where I look at them and I'm like, I don't really know what you do well. And maybe they'll start rushing the passer. Well, now that they've added a guy in Montez sweat, but I, I'm not sure why you invested two in somebody like this and you don't sign him to an extension as he walks through the door. They, they need to take care of that. Otherwise this could really be something where you just, you've totally wasted two high second round picks in a row because yeah. of chase Claypool and now with Montez sweat. Okay. I'm going to give you the one trade and I talked about it a second ago, but I'm going to give you the one trade that I think is going to be a significant factor in the pennant race down the stretch. And that is Buffalo acquiring Rasul Douglas. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you the reason why I really like that trade. Okay. And it isn't that necessarily that uh, right now that the, that pro football focus, which I think really does a good job. It isn't that pro football focus necessarily had Rasul Douglas as the 18th best corner in football and all that the Buffalo Bills needed to do was to trade a third round pick. And let's just say it's the 80th pick in the draft. It's going to be somewhere 80, 85, 88, depending on how far they go, but let's just, whatever it is, right? It's going to be a pick in the second half of the third round. Mm-hmm. And and what they got for the second pick in the second half of the third round is an above average NFL corner. And when you really need a corner after the loss of Tredavious White, you really need a corner and a corner who's a feisty, competitive physical, tough corner. That's what Rasul Douglas is. And in exchange, essentially, what you did is you paid that and you got back Douglas and a five from Green Bay. Now, Green Bay stinks. 
So arguably, you're going to get a pick in the top 10 picks of the fifth round for a pick in the bottom 10 picks of the third round. So it's going to be 50 picks different, but whatever, you still get the player. And Rasul Douglas is well, well worth it. Anyway, I like that trade. I kind of like it a lot. And I think it is going to pay dividends for a Buffalo defense that really needed a great corner. Miles, when we come back, we are going to discuss the players who didn't move. And I'm going to tell you why, in my opinion, the Tennessee Titans made a big, big mistake in the last couple of days. We'll be back right after this. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. So, Miles Simmons, I want this section of the podcast before we get to our guest, Cameron Bynum, safety of the Minnesota Vikings. Before we get to Cameron Bynum, I want to talk about some of the moves that weren't made that either were mistakes in not being made or just somehow, some way, what? That guy didn't move? And I'm going to tell you the one that really kind of bothered me. And it it's Derrick Henry. And look, when there is a somewhat legendary player, and, and I might argue that in the years that the Tennessee Titans have played in Nashville, you know, in Tennessee, since moving from Houston, we maybe could argue that, well, maybe Steve McNair is the greatest player in franchise history, or maybe it's Eddie George. And, you know, they've had some really good defensive players. But in the argument, at least, should be a great running back whose case one day will be heard for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that is Derrick Henry. So Derrick Henry turns 30 in January. He was not traded. And over the last five seasons, Derrick Henry has averaged 105.9 yards per game. He is, since 2019, easily, easily the best running back in football. He's got a lot left in the tank. And the Tennessee Titans chose to hang on to him rather than with Derrick Henry, you know, looming to be a free agent at the end of this season. You know, I'm sure Mike Vrabel said, hey, wait a second. We got this young quarterback, Will Levis. We can make a run. I get it. But sometimes you have to do the pragmatic thing. And the pragmatic thing, and this is a team that in the draft in 2024, 
right now. This is a rebuilding franchise. This team has two picks in the top 110. They need more than that. They could have got one for Derrick Henry. They didn't do it. I think it was a big mistake by the Titans and their young, and I think good, general manager, Rand Carthon. So, Miles, I've given you my guy who I thought it was a mistake not to move. You got one? Yeah, yeah, Peter. I'd go to Las Vegas and and talk about Devontae Adams because, look, we all saw his reactions on the sideline, clear frustration, you're slamming the helmet down. And, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing the ball to Toledo when Devontae <laughs> Adams is in Detroit. I mean, I, I just – when you're watching the game and you see something like that, you're like, oh, okay, this is Jimmy Garoppolo, who we kind of understand has been this guy, right? This is the Jimmy Garoppolo that missed Emmanuel Sanders streaking yeah. down the field wide open in the Super Bowl. So we've seen this. This is who Jimmy Garoppolo is. But at the same time, the, the Raiders are kind of in the same situation as the Bears, where I look at them and I'm like, well, you're a year and a half into this tenure, right? Between head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler. And what exactly do they do well? I don't know that they really do yes. anything well, except for they have Max Crosby, who plays defense like his hair is on fire and is clearly one of the best what defensive players. What an awesome players football player. Right? I mean, you, you look at him and the effort he gives on every single play, and he barely leaves the field. This guy is so special. And so I, I see, you know, the special qualities with Devontae Adams too. And we've seen that for years and years and years. And I just feel like if you're the Raiders, you need to pick a direction, right? They didn't go full young when, even though they drafted yeah. a O'Connell, right? They have Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback and that's who they replaced Derek Carr with. And yeah, you know, he's got the familiarity with Josh Daniels, that, that, that. Josh McDaniels said that that was overplayed, you know, in the off season. Now I really think it's overplayed based on what we've seen from Jimmy Garoppolo recently. And I know he's been hurt, but still, he, he was on the field and he's got to play better than that. And, and so I guess if I'm the Raiders, I think you needed to pick a direction and just go there, right? Right yeah. now, they're just in this nebulous middle thing and it's like they're a blob and they looked awful against the Chicago Bears, who we know are a bad team. They looked awful against the Detroit Lions, which that's a good team, but still, like, you want to look at least competitive and you want to be able to say, what is it that they do? Well, they could have gotten a really good asset for Devonte Adams. And I think it would have been better for us as an audience. If we could see Devonte Adams play in an offense that is better suited to him. And that would at least be able to feature him properly in January. And that's just something that nobody is going to be able to see now. Yeah, I guess my point about that, and I agree with you, Miles, mostly, but if you're the Raiders and and look, you paid a lot for Devontae Adams, both in terms of draft choice capital and all that. And and but I, there's one thing I do want to ask you. One based on the Monday night game. So because my belief is that um everybody is pointing the finger at Garoppolo. And Garoppolo clearly deserves a significant amount of blame. But I guess my question is, Garoppolo is running for his life. 
He yeah. looks like Daniel Jones back there. You know sure. what I mean? It just, so even though he made some lousy throws, it's hard for me to look at those throws in a vacuum. Give me Fair point. your thought about what that means. Well, I think it means that the Raiders still have trouble protecting the passer, right? And their offensive line has done well in terms of running the ball in the past. Now, and maybe I should have said this guy instead of Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. Why not trade Josh Jacobs for an asset when we know that he can run the ball effectively? And he said after the game last night, you know, how do you fix the offense? Well, it's not my job. And frankly, it's not. He's a running back. He doesn't make the scheme. He takes the ball and he runs with it and he runs hard. And we know he's going to run hard. He always has. And I covered him day to day in his rookie year. So I have no doubt that that guy, when he's in the right situations, can play very, very well. But again, it's what do what can you do to fix the things that need fixing in the middle of the season? And if you can't really address that, then all those things become off-season problems. And how do you solve off-season problems? Well, with assets. So if you can pick up an asset for a Josh Jacobs, who, again, he's, he's on an expiring contract and maybe you franchise him again, maybe you don't, I don't know. But that's something that you can at least say, look, that we have a process here. And if it's just, well, we're going to collect some veterans, we're going to have some guys that can do some things. You know, nobody wants Hunter Renfro because he got this big contract extension and he's barely done anything in the last couple of years. So that's a guy we're trying to trade, but we can't trade. It's just like... I understand if you're a Raiders fan and you are discouraged by what's going on right now. I get it. I do. The only thing that you can say is, well, they're going to ride these guys through the rest of the year and they do have three wins. And there are a lot of teams in the AFC with three and four wins. And some of those teams are in the playoff picture right now. So things can happen where this thing can turn around, but it's got to click. Right. And, yeah. and Peter, I just, I have not seen the evidence that it's going to click for the Las Vegas Raiders this year. Yeah, this is a troublesome question to me because preparing for this tonight, I said, what's my opinion on Devontae Adams not being traded? And Miles, I think I would disagree with you, not vehemently, but I'll disagree with you because I think Devontae Adams is a great football player. And if they traded him, I think, because somebody has to inherit the contract. Mm-hmm. If they traded him, somebody is going to have to trade at the very least, you know, a good second round pick. So I was trying to think of teams that teams that aren't that good but have a good quarterback and tried to think of teams. Okay, so. Who might that be? And so I circled a couple in my trusty NFL record and fact book. Because you have I have a hard still, copy? No, I'm, I'm still a terrible paper and pen guy. But <laughs> so I wrote this down and I just said, okay, for the teams that might have done something like that, I picked out four of them. Okay. I picked out the New England Patriots. Because I think Bill Belichick would have happily paid his two in uh, 2024 for Devontae Adams. Because you have to ask yourself this question. Okay, 
what's somebody going to pay? And I just doubt anybody's paying a one for Devontae Adams right now. He yeah. got, you got a two, you know, a year and a half ago for him. And all players are like cars when they come off the new car lot. You know, at, at some point, they depreciate a little bit. Yeah. So I'm saying you're going to get a two. Now, New yes. England's pick, it's going to be in the top 40. So would you take the 38th pick? For Devontae Adams, that's one team. Here's a second team that I thought would have been really interesting and I think would have offered at least a two for him. And that is, and again, you're going to think this is nuts to say this or to even consider it, and that is the New York Giants. Because to me, the New York Giants right now need star players, need impact players, that they just don't have. So the Giants were were another one. Number three, the other team that I thought would have been really interesting and maybe very interested in this is the Detroit Lions. And you mm-hmm. say, well, wait a second, wait a second. Amon Ross St. Brown and obviously Jamison Williams, they're okay at the position. No. You know what you are if you're the Detroit Lions? You want to be great. So you know what you want to do? You want to get three great wide receivers. So that's the third team. And then the last team, the team that I think would have been fascinating to get this player. And and look, I know it's going to sound very strange because I think a lot of people would say, wait a minute, they've spent too much. They've done too much, all this stuff, and they can't afford everything is the Los Angeles Rams. Hmm. The Rams, I believe, at some point in the next year and a half, are going to have to look at life without Cooper Cup. And here is a guy who, for a second-round pick, 43rd, 45th pick in the draft, they could have a guy. Now, I understand that that's a lot of money to pay and a, a draft pick, and they're trying to build up their picks. I get it. But I do think this, the Los Angeles Rams are going to need playmakers over the next, I think Matthew Stafford's going to last two more years, maybe three, maybe. But they need playmakers. And I don't know how much longer they're going to have Cooper Cup. And just as the San Francisco 49ers looked at buttressing a position group of strength. Yeah. I just, I think it'd be really, really great if they would at least have considered that. But I understand this. And look, if you're Josh McDaniels, if you're you're Dave Ziegler, I don't think I would have made a trade because making a trade of, of Devontae Adams is totally waving the white flag. So I've had the floor for a long time. Talk me off the ledge. Talk me out of this, Miles. What do you think? Well, here's one team that you didn't mention that I was wondering if you were going to, but I think that this would have been an interesting fit, and it would have been something that people would have been like, huh? But the Houston Texans. Now, think about where Nick Casario came from and where Ziegler and McDaniels came from, right? And I think – what we've seen from CJ Stroud so far this year is extremely encouraging in terms of where it looks like he's going to end up 
in terms of being a, a really good quarterback. And I think, you know, they've got guys that are good, that are solid. I mean, I love Robert Woods. I think he's a fantastic veteran, but nobody, they don't have anybody on the level of a Devontae Adams. And I think if you yeah. could put him in that offense and help the young quarterback grow that much more, then that could have made you even more of one of those teams that's going to be knock, knock, knocking on the door in December and early January for one of those playoff spots. Now, I mean, I know it's an NFC loss, but losing to the Carolina Panthers on the last play, again, does not help you in that endeavor. Yeah. Again, I think that that's a team that when I watch them, I'm intrigued. I love the way they play. I think they play really hard. They just got to start finishing these games. I believe that they will. And that's why I thought Devontae Adams could have been one of those pieces that could help them do that. You know, Miles, last thing I would say, and then we're going to get to our guest. Last thing I would say is the reason I kind of expected more to happen this year is that if you look at some of the general managers, and look, I think Howie Roseman is good. He's aggressive. Joe Shane is good. He's aggressive. Uh, They both made trades. Brandon Bean is good. He's aggressive. There's a lot of teams out there. John Schneider, same thing. There's a lot of teams out there that weren't aggressive. And I just think I would just remind general managers that a lot of teams, a lot of teams need help. And, And again, we could talk about each team's individual situation but I think the thing that would bother me if I was a fan of a few of these teams that are in sort of the middle region, the nether region, and you mentioned one, Houston, you know, there's a lot that we can do to get better. There's a lot that we should do to get better. So I was a little bit disappointed that I thought it was a little bit light at the deadline. I understand an awful lot of teams want to keep their guys and also they want to keep their picks for next year. So I get it. But I do think that guys like Derek Henry, uh, there's a lot of guys who could have gone to me who should have gone, but there we go. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Miles, we're going to get to our guest now, Cameron Bynum, safety of the Minnesota Vikings, who has been playing really, really well on the field and also has a pretty serious issue off the field that we are going to get to with him about his family. So without further ado, we're going to get to Cameron Bynum, the safety of the Minnesota Vikings. So happy to be joined on the podcast by a guy who has really been in the spotlight a little bit the last few days, Cameron Bynum. And Cameron obviously had a great game on Monday night football against the 49ers, made a huge play to seal a Minnesota victory at the end with an interception of Brock Purdy. 
Um, but it's it's really what happened after the game, uh, you know, with with Cam. He he used his opportunity uh, with an on field interview after the game uh, to make an appeal for his wife. And I before we we start, uh, Cameron, I, I want to just explain this situation. You grew up in California. Your yeah. mom is a third generation Filipino American citizen. Um, and last year, you've become a big fan of the Philippines over the years, vis- visited there and everything. And you met your wife, uh, Lalane, right? Yeah, sorry. Um, and you were married in March of this year, but you've right. been unable to get her a tourist visa to get her over here to the United States. You have the Filipino president writing a letter trying to get her this visa. You've got both Minnesota senators, Amy Klobuchar and Tina Smith, both uh, advocating and trying to expedite this visa process. But so far, no visa. Do I have the story correct? Yes, all except um, the the son of the Philippine president, which is a congressman, um, Sandro Marcos, which is the son of the president, okay. also a congressman out right. there. But yes, he was able to write a letter. And um, yeah, like I said, it got denied, but nobody to blame. But yes, everything else correct. So, so Cameron, let me just ask you about what has it been like for you to be married, uh, to be a newlywed, and to not be able to see your wife after you leave for the summer? Now you come over to play football for the season with the Vikings, and mm-hmm. she has to stay behind. What is that like for your family? Um, it's extremely tough, especially being newlyweds and you get married knowing that you're starting a new family within you and your wife. And it's really tough just knowing that she's over there in a whole different country. The time difference is 13 hours. So it makes life a lot tougher than it should be with her not being able to come over here. And especially with my schedule and being so busy, our time to talk is very limited. And really just life is a lot harder and you have to really map out your day a lot better just to spend time with your wife. And I feel as if it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's not fair, but for anybody that's especially newlyweds going um, a few few months married and have to go the whole football season without her being able to come over here. It's it's tough and just makes things a lot harder on both of us being apart, especially during the rigorous football season, how long it is and how really busy it is. It's kind of uh, makes makes another obstacle, mental health, and just, just your heart overall, just missing your wife and not her not being able to come over here, even if even if there is an emergency she still wouldn't be able to come here. And if something happened with her over there, there still wouldn't be a way for me to go over there. So it just makes life a lot tougher uh, being apart for sure. What is the reason that you have been given that you have not been able to get this tourist visa that, that you're seeking? Uh, with the tourist visa, they don't really give a reason, um, but it's they're, they're tough to get as it is. Um, so we've just been waiting and being patient with with that, knowing that it's tough to get a tourist visa. So we haven't really got a reason for that. And with the spouse visa, it's just a waiting game with that. And that's the reason we've reached out to see if anybody has connections that can help expedite it. And that's where I'm also super grateful for um, the senator's office being willing to 
um, hear our case and really go through and see what we can do about it. But at the end of the day, that's the waiting game. And that's the tough part, just knowing that nobody should be away from their spouse for this long. And the immigration process is really tough. I would have thought that once you got married, that your wife is and you are inseparable, whatever country you're dealing with, whether it be the Philippines, right, whatever, that she ought to be able to come. That has to be the frustrating part. Yeah, that's what I thought, especially because, um, you know, they say, OK, once you're married, you're you're good to go. But I never knew me personally just going through it. I was really naive and I didn't know that it can take up to two years. And being two years without your spouse, no matter what you do in life, whether you play football or whether you're just um, whatever you do in life, being away from your spouse for that long and then you physically not being able to see them, uh, FaceTime isn't enough at times. And that's where it's really been tough for us. And that's why I was blessed to have the game that I did and be able to speak out on it and seek help just because it's been it's been really tough and something that I've really we've really been trying to work hard to to get and to find a solution for it. Cameron, with all due respect to you and how hard it must be for you, and I'm not, what do I know? I don't know you. I, I don't know the, the whole situation. But I have to think, you know, as a football player, your life is tremendously busy. You're occupied, you know, from whatever, seven in the morning till seven or eight o'clock at night, you're, you're really tied up with your job. And I have to think that it's gotta be tougher on your wife because she's just sitting there in this state of limbo, not knowing what the future holds. So tell me what it is like for her and, and how do you, how do you make it through these moments when you're on FaceTime, but you're not together? Um, it's yeah, like you said, it's really tough just knowing that uh, something can change any second, but it's also the tough part that nothing has happened. So as far as like her, she can't. I'm not saying she can't work, but like with her job, if she takes a job and then we get the visa, then she'd have to quit or um, really anything that can pop up. It's just tough not knowing a timeline about anything. Then even with my schedule of her just waiting around for us to talk all day with the time difference and uh, me coming home. I'm a type of guy that likes to do a lot of extra work, a lot of extra film. So me being busy until, like you said, eight o'clock, nine at night, then I have to watch my film. But then I'm priority is my wife. So I'm obviously going to give her time and undivided attention. So that that leads to late nights for me and the sacrifice of it, which is all worth it because the end of the day, my priority is her and my marriage. So um, I'll never put that on the back burner. So having to stay up later and having to really carve in extra time to for us to spend time together uh, really makes life a lot tougher and not not complaining about it at all. But that's the reality of the situation is that everything becomes a lot tougher having her there and especially her in the, being in the waiting game. It's kind of she just sitting in the limbo. OK, what do we do in the meantime? So she's picked up a lot of hobbies, but nothing compares to us being able to really have a life here in the in the United States during football season. And then after football season, it's it's fine. We can be um, on vacation and we, I can go to the Philippines, whatever. But the six, seven months of football time and the even what well, we have three, three months left of season, 
Um, that's really what we're we're looking for to hopefully get her here by the end. I have two more questions for you. One, tell tell us what did you do on your honeymoon after you got married in March? I think yeah. it says something about both you and your wife. Right. So we had uh, right after our wedding, we had probably four hours because uh, our wedding got done late. We had four hours to go back to the hotel. And then the next morning, 5 a.m., we flew to um, Leyte, an island in the Philippines, to do our outreach with our fi- with our foundation to help all the typhoon victims where their homes got destroyed and they've been living in an evacuation center. So we did an outreach there and as our honeymoon because we wanted to start our marriage serving other people and start our marriage uh, really just giving back to other people. And we wanted to start and build that foundation in our marriage to really have, a, like I said, the foundation of putting other people first. So that was one thing that we decided on to make our honeymoon not only about us, but about other people in our family and our community. So um, she's been pivotal to that. And then unfortunately, we had to put all that on pause while she's in the Philippines now and I'm doing things out here. And it's tough to continue to do these community things and the sad being without her because I know she wants to be here with that. She's been a huge part uh, starting the Bind of Faith Foundation. She's She's really the reason we started doing everything in the Philippines because Originally, we partnered up with her and her church to do it even before we started our our own family nonprofit. So she's really been one of the biggest parts to all of this, this giving back. So, yeah, our honeymoon was really the start of we want to start our marriage off with just giving and serving. That's really a cool thing. Last thing. So in the Monday night game against the 49ers, there's a lot of people really don't know who you are. You're not a really ultra famous football player yet. Fourth round pick out of Cal. uh, And you really started to come on for the Niners in the last seven minutes of this game. You had two interceptions. You stopped two drives of the 49ers. Describe what that was like for you. And if you've ever had a better quarter of football since you've been playing football? Um, no, I think that was for sure the best quarter I've ever had, especially the heightened um, environment of it being a Monday night game against um, the best team in the league at the time. And really, I feel like that was just the a testament of preparation and staying true to the process because um, I've had chances this season to come down with some interceptions and whether it's missed opportunities or anything really and haven't come down to down with it but I in my mind I'm just like trust the process the ball is going to come back to me so it was really just that that heightened sense of awareness to make the plays that are going to come to me and don't miss any opportunities so um, opportunity was probably the word of the night for me knowing that okay this is a big game Um, I have they're throwing the ball my assignment is in the middle of the field so I need to make a play in the middle of the field because that's where the 49ers like to attack. So um, both of those plays, the ball came exactly where we were, we were thinking it would be. And we were, I was in a perfect defense to do it. And I just had to take advantage of the opportunity on the field, get the interceptions, have fun with the celebrations, and then take the another opportunity to speak in that interview. So I feel like the whole day was just a perfect opportunity for everything. Cameron Bynum, listen, congratulations on your success this year and really I think uh, so many football fans join me 
in saying, hey, listen, our heart goes out to you. Good luck and really hope you get this visa quickly so you can do what families do. You can be together and start your lives together. So good luck. Yes, thank you. Thank you for giving me a platform to speak on it. I appreciate that. Our thanks to Cameron Bynum of the Vikings. And uh, my thanks as always to uh, my friend, Miles Simmons. And Miles, I'll be headed off uh, this week. We record this on Tuesday night. Uh, Tomorrow on Wednesday, I'll be flying to Frankfurt. I'm really kind of looking forward not only to the game, but I really want to explore what the future is of NFL football way, way, way across the pond. And, you know, to me, I look at this, I am probably a bigger fan than most people of the NFL expanding to Europe. I know most people think it's insane. I don't. But let me get over there. Let me see what's going on. And then when we get back next week, I'll tell you what I think. And I'm going to give you a full week to make your case for arguing me out of that. And who knows? Maybe I'll be arguing myself out of it by then. But I look forward to talking to you about it in a week. And, And by the way, I do want to say you're going to be up for combat duty because you're going to have to get up at six o'clock out in LA Sunday to watch this game, which I assume you're going to do. Oh, absolutely. Look, I've, I, I wake up at five usually. So, you know, the, the early start on Sunday is not that big of a deal, especially because there are a lot of F1 races that begin at that time anyway. So I get that yeah. used to that in the off season and then we can do this in the season. I'm not going to be mad, though, when we're done with that in a couple of weeks. But, Peter, I do have one request for you yes. in Germany, and that is to find an excellent Hefeweizen and drink it for me. Oh, my God. All I can say is <laughs> I cannot wait to drink a half because that's my beer. I, I am a wheat beer guy. In fact, uh, my wife and I just went out to dinner tonight um, in New York, and I had an Allagash White, which I will challenge every Hefeweizen, everyone in the world <laughs> uh, with Allagash White. It's one heck of a beer from Portland, Maine. Anyway, everyone, want you to have a good week. Enjoy a fantastic week of football. Look, some underrated games. Seattle at Baltimore. Two division leaders at 1 o'clock on Sunday, Eastern time. That's a great game. You know, it's a bummer. I'm going to miss a bunch of really good games. You know, in uh, when I'm in Germany this weekend. But anyway, you'll see me on Football Night in America this weekend. I'll re- I'll be reporting from Frankfurt. It'll be a fun time. Good time will be had by all. Miles, thanks, and we'll see you, and we will see everybody next week with another episode of the Peter King Podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.